Hey, podcaster, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And if you're hearing it on the day it posts, which is Memorial Day 2021, hope you're having a great weekend and are just excited about the summer as I am. In the conversation that you're about to listen to with John and I, we break down some of the really deep, rich topics that we talk about in our four-day intensive program. And so you've probably heard us talk about it before. We do workshops for salon owners and managers and business-minded stylists in which we share with them not technical information about how to do more hair, how to do better hair, prettier hair, but we talk about really important things like developing the right vision for your company creating the culture and the team that you're looking to develop and create so you can have a happy workplace. And maybe most importantly, or at least equally importantly, how to read your financial statements. What's a profit and loss statement, balance sheet, cash flow? Why is that important? Why is it important whether I'm an owner of a salon that has multiple people or a larger organization, but equally as important for self-employed stylists, independent, whether you're a suite owner or you're just actually renting a chair inside of a salon, why is it that I should know my numbers? Why is it that I should maybe become a little bit more fluent in the language of business. And so this conversation got so deep and rich that we ended up breaking it up into two episodes. So this Monday post today, you're going to listen to part one. And then the next week, we're going to go ahead and we added in Brian Perdue to talk a little bit about some business metrics and some kind of how to think about it if you're actually thinking about opening a salon. What are some of the really important things that you need to keep in mind before you ever even get there. So if you're already running a salon, you'll benefit from both conversations. This is just a great one, whether you're an owner, whether you're a business-minded stylist, or whether you just want to learn a little bit more about business. So really hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. everybody, welcome back to the Shop Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chris Suleme, and as usual, sitting here with my friend, Mr. John Calmary. And first of all, if you're listening to this on the day it posts, happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. It's Memorial Day Monday, and uh, we have a special conversation coming at you based on some happenings of our last few weeks. You've probably heard us talk about this on the podcast, is that we help salon owners, salon managers to up their game as it relates to running their salons. And we've had a couple of four-day intensives so far this year where we've taken salon owners and managers through a full four-day ride. And if you're listening and you're a hairstylist and you don't own a salon right now, stick with us because the nuggets that tend to be important for salon owners, it's also pretty important for it a business-minded hairstylist to know and understand so that they can intelligently work on their business and understand maybe some of the things that go on behind the scenes, the intricacies, the work that goes into opening a salon, running a successful salon, and then growing a successful culture. And here is the plain reality. Most salons in the United States of America and actually the world don't profit. Um, And by profit, what we mean is if the owner works behind the chair or doesn't work behind the chair, if you pulled that owner out from behind the chair, that salon would close eventually. It wouldn't be long before it would fall apart. The 
culture would fall apart. The team would fall apart. And obviously the money would fall apart because that chair money is so vital to keeping most salons open. About 15% of salons in the United States uh, cash flow. And by cash flow, what we mean by that is, is that if the owner were to come out from behind the chair, you may still be able to pay the bills some months, maybe a little late, some months on time, maybe some months there's a little money left over. And it's about 5% of salons in the United States based on statistics that have come out from modern salon and studies that have been done that actually profit. And by profit, what we mean is the salon owner has the option to work behind the chair if they would like, but either way, whether they do or don't work behind the chair, that business not only pays the bills on time, pays their employees on time, pays the stylist, but also has money left over in the bank. And that money is called profit. And it's a really important part of running a business. And a lot of stylists and a lot of salons, first of all, don't know that this exists. And secondly, we kind of abuse the freedom and flexibility that we have inside of the salon industry to run independent businesses. And so in many salon owners' lives, after the excitement of owning a sal- opening a salon and designing the space and you know getting it launched and getting behind the chair for a few years, after all that excitement wears off, they start to ask themselves, if I'm not making any more money than when I was a hairstylist, either you know working in somebody else's salon or having my own space, why am I continuing to do this? And, and usually that's the place where a salon owner's mindset starts to transition from a stylist who owns a salon to actually wanting to learn the skills of a business owner. And as John sitting across the screen here, I'm, you know, kind of watching you digest this opening knows that's a much different mindset shift and, and owning a salon and being a hairstylist are two very different jobs. And in order to grow a team that's sustainable, that continues to grow, that you can offer career paths for, for the people inside of your organization in order to grow that at some point that salon owner needs to learn a new set of skills and kind of wrap their arms around the idea that they're transforming into something different. You're moving from hairstylist into business owner. And so we have been, uh, well, a year ago, year and a half ago or so, we launched this workshop called the four day intensive in which we take people on that journey. And we want to talk about that journey today because it's a really, for us, important one. It's been profound. And I think, you know, John, you can pipe in anytime. It's been really profound for us to watch people come into that journey as an artist, as a stylist. And by the end of that four days, they're like, OMG, like, I am so glad to know this stuff that Mm -hmm. it's kind of changes their lives, right? Yeah. I think, you know, the setup that you, you know, just laid out is really important um, in regards to what that transformation looks like for people. I think the inspiration for us for this podcast this morning was, you know, we do this four day intensive, we bring people into the program um, and we've been doing this for a while, right? So for us, it's like, hey, you know, this is what we do. But I think that the, again, the inspiration for this podcast was, you know, watching these people, you know, these salon owners, these stylists, these managers come in, 
on day one and how they leave on day four. You know, they're different people. They've got different skill sets. They have different mindsets. And I think that, um, you know, we want to kind of highlight that journey a little bit and talk about that, you know, what's happening is, is people are going through um, a process of four days coming out as a better business person. Um, and so rather than taking years, you know, we kind of condense it into, into four days. And as such, like I said, we want to kind of share, you know, what we see, what that transition looks like and, um, you know, highlight the journey. And so let's just jump right into it. And, yeah. and, you know, rather than you typically leading this out, I'm going to be somewhat interviewing you because you have a set of skills that, you know, you've been working with salon owners for a long time and this journey lays out to build on itself. So by mm -hmm. the end of the four days, you start with the foundational pieces that you must start to build on. And then, right. you know, it funnels its way through. And mm -hmm. one of the places that we start this journey is you do a workshop kind of a, I don't want to call it a goal setting. It's more of a vision casting where Correct. you help people to take a look at where they're at now and where they want to be with their salons. And so wh mm -hmm. why is that so important? And walk us through that a little bit and some of the discoveries that owners have. Well, I think, you know, the thing that's most important is as we go through the exercise, the reason for the exercise is if you don't know where you're going, it's really hard to get there. So part one, so on the very first day, as you said, you know, where are you going? You know, where are you trying to take this business? Where are you trying to take yourself? Where are you trying to take your team? And we all, you know, think we have this idea, right? Oh, we, I want to open a salon and it's going to look like this. And we're going to be the best hairdressers in town. And it's going to be awesome. And that's great. But it's kind of like me saying to you, well, what do you want to do for vacation? I want to go to the beach. And I was like, okay, great. Cause the beach is fun and the beach is, you know, got the sun and it's got sand and it's got the water and you know, it's all that. Okay. Which beach? Uh, I live in, used to live in Massachusetts. Are we going to the Cape? You know, you live in Florida. Are we going to Tampa? Are we going to the East coast? You know, where, what beach are you talking about? And you know, the thing is, is that when you're trying to work with a team or even if you're working for your own goals, you got to be really crystal clear about where you're going. This is the beach we're going to. <laughs> this is what time we're going to get there. These are the things we're going to bring with us because we're going to need them. And until you get crystal clear on that, and it really becomes a challenge when you're working with more than one person, when you got four different people, five different people, 20 different people, all having a different idea of what beach they're going to, you can wonder why we never make any progress. Mm -hmm. You can understand why we don't hit our goals. We can understand why you know later people leave because the beach they wanted to go to wasn't the same beach you wanted to go to. And it wasn't until two years in that you figured that out. So vision is really important because it's that, it's that thing in front of you that this is where I'm going. This is what it looks like when I get there. I want to share that with other people. I want people who have the same idea on what that journey looks like and where we're going to be with me. Couldn't have said it better. And, you know, I think, everybody can relate at some level to being in a situation where there's a miscommunication mm -hmm. and whether that's a small miscommunication, even small miscommunications can have a large impact when you're dealing with groups of people. And so vision and clarity is one of those things that we know gets talked about all the time. We, mm -hmm. everybody's saying it, everybody's talking about it, right. but it's very rare very rare for us to see somebody who actually can identify it down to the T mm -hmm. to where the entire team can communicate it back. And it's in those types of scenarios 
where you'll see people thriving because they all know the direction they're going. And by the way, that activity that you do, I've seen you not only do it with owners, mm -hmm. but you also do it with hairstylists, you know? Right. So every one of us has a place inside of us where we yeah. wish or we think or we would be our ideal working scenario. And many times it's in the bus that you're on, right? Mm -hmm. As Brian would say, right. many times it's in the salon, you know, you could, you could achieve that, you could have it, but I didn't get super clear about it. And so because of that, we do business day to day. Listen, seeing clients is fun. Days get busy in the salon and we, and we never really identify what that is. There's a quote that I know you and I both really like, and I forget the director's name. You might remind me of it, mm -hmm. but it's a director who says he, when he was asked the question, what's the most important thing about making a movie? And he says, that we're all making the, same, the same movie. movie. And I, I forget who said it, but it's mm. so true. And I think owners can relate to that. You know, one of the things that happens after we do that clarity activity is Brian mm. comes on and he talks about leadership. Right. And one of the things that you and I both know for the guy that we work with is he believes that leadership is responsible or lack of leadership, lack of real leadership is responsible for a lot of the downfallings of the salon industry for a lot of the reasons that salons aren't profitable. And even if they're not profitable, maybe for even lack of culture, you know, people enter this job and role of salon owner, Mm -hmm. But because their vision is just to get the doors open, they love right. to design the beautiful space. We're all going to drink cappuccino and be caffeinated all day long together mm -hmm. and do beautiful hair that once the doors are open, the owner goes to work behind the chair. And from then on out, they work inside of their business. Mm -hmm. And Brian talks a lot about a book that he loved and that really affected his life called The E-Myth Theory by Michael Gerber. And he describes the difference between the three types of business owners. And he sort of casts a little bit of a higher level vision mm -hmm. to people that are sitting there, you know, that are owner stylists that are going, what is this business owner thing? You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the basic premise is this is, as creatives, right? As people that like to work with, you know, our guests, with our customers, for people who like to create fashion, for people who like to make people feel good. You know, one of the things we get, we spend a lot of time on is the aesthetics, um, how the place is going to look, what the music's going to be like. Are we going to serve coffee? Are we going to serve coffee? Or are we going to serve espresso? What is our decor going to be? What kind of people are going to be in it? What's our dress code? In the end, you know, we kind of sit here and go, you know what? I work for X company my company's going to be better because I'm going to do all these things better or prettier or whatever. And we get so focused on that that we actually forget, or maybe not even forget, we overlook that there's actually a physical business that has to be run. And so the, the basic premise of Mr. Gerber's book, The E-Myth, is are you working in your business? Meaning doing as much hair as you can with your hands. The challenge with doing that is there's actually a thing that needs to be maintained and run, right? And that is the company. Um, and so the E-Myth theory suggests most of us are so focused on doing the work in the business that we don't have the time, effort, energy, or resources to actually create a business, um, meaning a salon, you know, or any other business that you're, that you're working on. 
And if we drill it down a little bit more, those two things that we need to work on to grow a business are, are a, our leadership skills and our financial skills. Because those are the two pillars of business wrestling, leadership, finance, leadership, finance. Well, how can you work on leadership? How can you work on finance if you're double booked, squeezing in as many customers as you can? And wasn't that what you were doing before anyways? And then that dream, that vision that we have of that better company never reach, reaches fruition because we never actually get to work on our company. We spend way too much time uh, working on our customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those jobs, you know, one of the things that he said this on this past four day intensive that I thought was really eye opening for me is that most owners don't actually know what it means to work on their business versus Correct. in their business. So you and I have both seen, and I've been around salon owners for a long time and, you mm -hmm. know, helped a bunch of them too. And what we've both seen, and I had this experience, I should mm -hmm. say that when I came out from behind the chair at my salon, like the first time, yeah. I had no idea what to do with my time. I had no, I would walk around and sweep the floor and encourage people and, you know, rub their shoulders while they were working hard and busy, yeah. you know, and encourage. But what I didn't understand is there's the marketing piece. There's the mm -hmm. operations piece. There's the, in the business world, they call them SOPs, standard operating procedures. And while right. I, I, sometimes I hate to corporatize terms. Mm -hmm. I will say that, you know, companies that have grown really large mm -hmm. have only done that because they have systems. Correct. And they're able to put those systems in place. And so if the owner's wondering, well, what should I be doing in the beginning? Mm -hmm. You're taking a look at every aspect of the organization. Mm -hmm. You know, you're taking a look at that front desk and you're saying to yourself, okay, this is how to answer a phone. Right. But this is how we answer the phone here. Right. And this is how we, mm -hmm. keyword we, mm -hmm. answer the phone here every time. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what mood I'm in. Right. It doesn't matter if I had a bad morning with my boyfriend or husband or wife. Sure. It right. doesn't matter if I'm not caffeinated yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's when somebody calls this business, this is the experience that they should have over the other side. And mm -hmm. I designed that as the owner and put it into a system where every person that does that role understands it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually creates a person, a lead, a mm -hmm. position where somebody else can manage that system. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the next thing. And I'm giving that as an example, you may or may not start at your front desk, right? But it's a low sure. hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, is that what an owner does is helps to lead that vision that every person mm -hmm. knows and understands their role, right. knows and understands their responsibilities and how to be successful in that position. By doing that, what you're creating is a business that can run with or without you. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you have any desire to leave it. Most right. I, I find that most owners don't have that mm -hmm. desire, but it gives you the option to be more flexible and create leadership positions inside of your organization, which is what people tend to want. People want to grow. Mm -hmm. They want to know that they're contributing. And so that's, that's kind of what happens afterwards. And Brian sort of paints that picture really nicely. I think the challenge is, is that when most people start a business, I'm not saying all, but when most people start, you know, a salon business, we refer to it as being undercapitalized, you know, 
And people say, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, you don't have enough money in the bank, you know, to actually get this business up and running the way it should. So what we do is we make that up. We, we get enough money to open the doors and then we're like, well, I'll make money because I'll start working. Well, this is what we mean by undercapitalized. Let's get a little bit more specific. You know, as you just alluded to, you know, there are things we got to get done. And as owners, we call it, you know, wearing all the hats. I wear the hat of marketing. I wear the hat of finance. I wear the hat of payroll. I wear the hat of inventory. I wear the hat of coaching my team. I wear the hat of being the trainer, right? And so you wear all these hats, all that responsibility is on your shoulders. And what we mean by being undercapitalized is, wouldn't it be nice if you could afford to have people to take on that responsibility for you? Meaning, wouldn't it be nice to have a marketing person? Wouldn't it be nice to have an educational director? And of course, you know, that's harder to do when you don't have that, that level of uh, income in the bank. But eventually, as this business grows, if that is your intent to go beyond two, three, four chairs, there's going to be a time when you can no longer wear all those hats. It's just too much. It becomes overwhelming. The ball gets dropped and things get missed. And when that happens, getting back to the vision, that vision you had starts to fall apart right? You know, that vision becomes harder and harder to get to. And what do we do? I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more hair. I'm going to maybe raise my prices a little bit. I'm not going to take any new clients, right? And all of those things I get, but none of those things are going to help you with your true challenge, which is I got too many hats. There's only so much time in a day. This business has grown as big as I single-handedly can handle it. And now either I'm stuck yeah, or maybe even start to roll backwards or I become frustrated and disillusioned with what I was trying to achieve. Yeah. And usually frustration and disillusionment comes after your first walkout, you know, a deep, rich topic. We could spend the rest of the podcast talking about this. Sure. Um, the idea is, is that that's one of the first places we have to to begin to look at is ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And if you're a stylist listening to this and you're just a little intrigued, but kind of wondering how this relates, one of my favorite to topics to talk about is self-leadership mm -hmm. is that if you're inside of an organization and you, and you love where you're at and you love the people you're with, you want to ask yourself, what is my role in this? You know, how can I contribute at maybe a little bit of a greater level? And, um, Maybe that means doing some extra things to support and help the owner so you can grow into a place where, you know, everybody's flourishing and you really are running like a true business. So oftentimes I'll hear stylists say, you know, it's kind of the what are you doing for me mm -hmm. to the owner? And, and I'll always ask back, like, what are you doing to contribute, you know, mm -hmm. outside of your responsibilities? Because in all honesty, it's again, in flourishing organizations, when you see a team it's never a person saying that's not my job. Now you might stay in your wheelhouse, right? Mm -hmm. If you're the goalie on a soccer team, you're not going to come out of the goal, but you're going to ask yourself all of the time. How can I communicate to that forward team member? How mm -hmm. can I let this defender know what's coming? Like my eyes are open all the time. And I, I like to call that salon quarterbacking mm -hmm. where I become the person in the salon that sees if a person is a little unhappy and a color is dripping down the side of her ear. I can tell that there's something happening at the front desk that maybe the owner needs to be aware of, or I might need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. I can see that, you know, my team member might need a little help with this thing. And 
not everybody's necessarily designed and wired to kind of be that. But if you're inside mm -hmm. of a salon, you want it to be successful. It really helps to kind of grow those in intuitions. So mm -hmm. anyway, we could talk about that all day, too. The next thing that we move into, John, you mm -hmm. you you start to unload some numbers on people. Right. Um, and the reality is, is there's the language of a hairstylist. There's a language of a salon owner. And then there's the language of business. Mm -hmm. And the language of business is often about financials. And you're you know, you just happen to have a ton of expertise inside of reading financial forms, designing financial forms and mm -hmm. laying out your expenses, your salon expenses that are going to happen in a way that sets you up to win that, that I'm not underspending in some areas and then mm -hmm. I'm not overspending in other areas. You want to talk a little bit about what we cover there? You know, one of the things about this industry that we love so much is we learn a lot of skills along the way. We learn how to talk to people. We learn how to make friends out of complete strangers. We learn how to kind of uncover what people's challenges are and help them with that. You know, we get to be part-time therapists. There's a lot of skills we get to pick up along the way. Unfortunately, one of the skills we usually don't get to pick up behind the chair is how to run the finances of our company. And as we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, there are two pillars of business rises and falls on. One's leadership, the other one's finance. There's no way to, other way to put it. You got to understand your financials. You just, you got to. It's part of running a business. Well, John, I don't like that part. I'm not good with numbers. Okay. I wasn't good at cutting a bob either, you know, 20 years ago. I had to learn, right? I wasn't good at foiling. You had to learn. You don't have to become an accountant or a bookkeeper. You can pass that hat off to somebody else, as we just talked about, but you got to at least understand what they're telling you because you're the guy or gal that is steering this ship. And one of the ways that you know that you're steering the ship in the right direction and you're going to get to the beach like you want to is making sure that you understand your financials and how what you do and the actions that you take either contribute to the financial well-being of your company or don't lead to the financial well-being of your company. Here's the reality. We all work partly for joy or partly because we got to pay the bills. I got a house payment. I got a car payment. I got to put gas in the car. I got to feed my wife. You know, there are things I have to do. And the same thing is to be said about your business. You know, I got to feed my staff. And I don't mean necessarily with food. I got to feed them with customers, right? Although we do like we do like ice cream. We do like ice cream, exactly. I got to pay the rent, right? I got to pay for the supplies. If the actions that you're taking make a financial impact on your business that's positive or negative, you need to know about it and be able to make adjustments accordingly. And again, hear me loud and clear. You don't need to become an accountant. You don't need to become a bookkeeper. You can hire somebody to do that work. But when they bring you that profit and loss statement at the end of the month, you want to know what it says. You want to know what's important. And you want to know what I, you have to do next to implement positive change in the growth of your company for the benefit of yourself and the people that, that work with you. Now, for the sake of when we're in live workshop, right? we've designed these four days to where you've cut up 
the financial forms over multiple days. And the reason why you do that is because, you know, for us as industry people to sit there and digest numbers for a full day, most of us would shut off. However, for the sake of this conversation, Mm -hmm. I know there are three financial forms. P.S., we are actually launching a video course that is very close to launching. I think we'll, I I believe we'll launch it by June 15th, but if not, it'll mm-hmm. be launched before July. And it's called Salon Business Blueprint. Mm-hmm. And it covers leadership. It covers the financial forms you're about to touch on just a little bit. Mm-hmm. We talk about growing your culture and we also talk about how to grow your team a little bit. It's right. amazing. We've been working really hard on this. Mm-hmm. And so just keep in mind that's coming out. We'll be talking more about it. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of this conversation, John, what are the three, four, maybe five, I guess it's three financial forms and a financial exercise, if you sure. will, yeah, yeah. Um, that we cover in there and, and kind of snapshot of why each of them are important? Well, there are three basic financial forms. The first one is a profit and loss statement. And, you know, I like to think of the financial statements as kind of like a dashboard in a car, right? And so the first one being a profit and loss statement what the profit and loss statement tells you is how many miles per gallon you're getting. You know, what I want you to think of is I want you to think of the money that's coming in the door as gasoline, right? Uh, that's what you're filling your car up with. You're filling it up with money. And I want to know how far do you get with the money that you got? You know, $50,000 came into the company this month. How effective, how efficient was I at running this business? And basically what I'm saying is, you got $50,000 coming in the door. How good were you with your money? And that's what a profit and loss statement tells you. Um, and that's just the bottom line. You know, it tells you what your profit was. And profit is not the same as how much cash you have. They're two different things. But profit's kind of like a scoreboard. You know, if you're doing better at running your company, your profit will go up. If you're not doing very well at running your company, your profit will go down. It's a fancy scoreboard. And that's what a profit and loss statement is. Next is a balance sheet. What's a balance sheet? Balance sheet, again, if we're using the, the automobile analogy, um, it's kind of like a Kelly Blue Book. It tells you if your car is increasing or value or decreasing in value, right? And again, um, it's kind of a scoreboard. Are the behaviors and the things I'm doing with my business increasing its value or are the things that I'm doing contributing to my business decreasing its value. Well, why is that important? For well, the same reason that when you buy a car or you buy a house and you spend all that money on it, you don't want to drive it into the ground. One day you hope that house is going to be worth more money and you can sell it. And even if you don't sell it, you don't want to be the house on the corner that turned into a pile of rubble because you didn't take care of it. So a balance sheet tells you whether or not your activity increases or decreases the value of that business. Lastly is a statement of cash flows. Now the statement of cash flows is a little bit different than the profit and loss statement because remember I said profit is not money. It's not cash. It's a way of keeping score on whether or not your business is doing better or not better under your guidance. And profit is also what you owe taxes on. The statement of cash flows on the other hand actually tells you how much cash you got. How much money do I actually have? Because again, as this business grows, hopefully I get more money in my pocket or I got more money in the bank or I got more money somewhere. So the three forms, profit and loss statement, it tells you if what you're doing is making this business run more efficiently or less efficiently is what I'm doing making this business grow or not. Number two, balance sheet. 
I may be growing profit-wise, but um, is my business worth more or worth less than when I started? And lastly, statement of cash flows. How much money do I got, John? How much cash do I got? I want to know what it looks like. And it also allows you to kind of plan for the future because it's a little, a little bit of a budgeting piece to it. This is what I'm going to do next. This is where I'm going to put some money. And these are the things that are important as I move forward. John, if I'm a self-employed stylist or an independent, maybe I run a suite Yep. Um, are these forms relevant to me as well? Well, yeah. I mean, again, profit and loss statement. Even if you're an independent, right? Am I being efficient at what I'm doing? Because here's the sad part. You know, wouldn't it be tragic if you find out by uh, running a profit and loss statement that you actually did better working for somebody else than you are working on your own? Now, of course, there are there are things that come with being independent, right? A little bit more freedom with your schedule. Maybe you get to play the music you like, right? But in the end, if you're working just as hard and you're making less money, I'd want to know why, how come? And so that's what a profit and loss statement does. This is why you're not making as much money or you're not being as successful independently as when you work for somebody else. What if you take on an assistant? You now have, you've got your first employee. What does that look like? Two, balance sheet. A balance sheet becomes less of a, of a, of a thing if you're an independent stylist because you, you know. There's you know, very, okay. there's very little. Uh, you own, you don't yeah. own anything. Right, right, right. I mean, you rent the space, please right. get me right. Don't get me wrong. And you own the product that's in there and the color that's in there, but yeah. it's not really an asset. Right. What would be nice though, is if you had a personal balance sheet meaning for you yourself, are you increasing your assets? Meaning with all that money that you're making, hopefully, are you buying investments? Are you buying stocks? Are you buying real estate? Are you, what are you doing with that money? So you might, while you may not have a business balance sheet, you'll have a personal balance sheet, right? Yeah. Are you increasing your net worth? And then lastly, cash flows, absolutely. You need one of those. If you're an independent, because you need to manage your money. You know, do I have enough money to buy color? Do I have enough money to pay my rent this month? Yeah. You know, taxes are due because as an independent, you're going to pay your taxes quarterly. You know, I want to know that that cash is there and available for me. So, yeah, you need them. It's funny because I was in a conversation at some point with an owner. I can't remember who or when I wouldn't call it out anyway. Mm -hmm. And they had said they had a meeting with their bookkeeper or some, yeah. something of that nature. And the person said to them, and I'm going to say this was an uninformed bookkeeper or, or, a, or an unenlightened bookkeeper, mm -hmm. said, you know, most people don't follow a budget anyway. Mm -hmm. And I, my immediate response was, that's why most people are broke. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, no, knowing and understanding those financials really does give you a new sense of understanding for your business. Listen, mm -hmm. money is coming in and money is going out all the time. Regardless, mm -hmm. it's much, much, much better mm -hmm. for you to keep a little more of that money or much easier when you know exactly where it's coming uh, in and out. And again, like you said, you right. don't have to be doing, you know, you don't have to be diving into these forms every single day, mm -hmm. but periodically, you know, taking a look at them, systematically planning the direction your money's going to go. Mm -hmm. By the way, we had a great conversation with Cash Lawless a couple of podcasts ago right. where he talked about really making choices for where your money goes up front. So mm -hmm. anyway, we could talk all day about this one. We're going to move on a little bit because one of the things we do as we weave 
back and forth and, you know, money and um, profit and loss. And we fill people's brains up with that. Then there's Mm -hmm. the other piece. There's the designing your culture piece. It's a little bit of the fun stuff. I would call it that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, you know, culture I know is near and dear to your heart. It's near and dear to my heart, but Mm -hmm. you know, you really love to kind of share on that material. And when we talk about a culture, you know, one of the things that we'll often say is, look, when you two, when you put two people together, you suddenly have a culture. Now, whether right. you chose that culture mm-hmm. or whether it just happened naturally, mm-hmm. as you start to add more people into it, right? and we have more people that have different ideas and value sets about what this thing should be, now it could get a little convoluted, watered down perhaps. Right. And then what we have is, is a group of people working in a place that, again, don't really have any idea direction as to what we are. Right. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think the best way I like to exemplify what culture looks like is to talk about my, my upbringing as an Italian-American household. And so if we're talking about culture, what we're talking about is expectations. We're talking about accepted behaviors. We're talking about um, values that we all agree on. And for most of us, we can kind of picture in our mind, especially if any of us have seen a movie or two, right? Where you know what that Sunday dinner in an Italian household was like. It's a little bit loud. You know, we know what we're having for dinner. It's going to be some kind of pasta, right? With some kind of red sauce on it. And, you know, there's going to be that cousin that everybody picks on because, you know, he's a little bit of a, of, of a knucklehead. Um, but there's a expectation of this is what it looks like. There's an expectation of what we're going to have for food. There's an expectation of what kind of you have to be there. You know, there's always a matriarch, you know, my grandmother. Uh, we know what that looks like. Now, here's what I want you to picture. you got a table full of Italians sitting there eating crusty bread, twirling their spaghetti on their forks, talking loudly, tossing bread across the table. All of a sudden, your aunt uh, shows up with her new boyfriend. He's French, and he brings a plate of escargot. And everybody looks at this guy and goes, who the heck are you and what are you doing here? Talk about trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. That person doesn't fit our culture. They do things differently. Their behavior is different. They talk a different language. They eat different food. They're not as loud. They're quiet. So we think there's something wrong with them. Culture is all about having a sense of belonging. This is where I belong. These are my people. This is how we behave. I know what the expectations are because everybody has the same expectations. We can make the same analogy, you know, coming from Massachusetts, you know, and now living here in Georgia. You know, the culture is different. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, up north, there are expectations of behavior. I knew I could behave this way. Down south, I can't behave the same way I did when I was up north. I'd probably get shot, right? You know, and even that's a thing because I wasn't worried about getting shot in Massachusetts, <laughs> right? And I'm over-exaggerating it, but you understand the, the, the colloquialisms I'm trying to use, which is culture is about expectation. Culture is about behavior. Culture is about, you know, this is how we behave. It's kind of like you talked about it before, standard operating procedures. This is how we do it here. Well, that's written down. Culture is this is how we do it here, but it's not written down. And you want everybody to be aligned. You don't have to do everything exactly the same. We don't want clones, right? Sure. That's boring. Sure. But there's an expecta- expectation of behavior in this environment, and that's how we succeed. Well, and what I love about that piece is, I could be the Frenchman that shows up to dinner and Mm -hmm. eventually 
become a part of or be worked into it as long as as long as I understand the shared values. Right. As long as we have a common goal. Mm-hmm. So I love that because, you know, I love to walk into a salon and see there's one really groovy person in Mm -hmm. a room full of sophisticated, you know, kind of other team members, or there's one sophisticated person inside of a bunch of groovy team members. And so Mm -hmm. you get to choose your culture. Mm -hmm. You just have to decide what it's going to be and then stick to it. And the, and the reason why there's two, Mm -hmm. one is for your internal client, your internal right. customer, which Brian so you know lovingly loves to talk about as far as your stylist, your internal customer as your sal- as a salon owner are the people that work inside of your organization. Right. It really is helpful when they understand your culture. Mm-hmm. There's the other client, customer, guest, whatever your language is, mm-hmm. and that's the person that actually comes in and gets services. And mm-hmm. they need to understand the culture as well. Mm-hmm. It's really easy and important to attract your type of guest, your target client, mm-hmm. when your culture is on purpose, when it makes right. sense, when they know what they're walking into. Hey, listen, if that's family mm-hmm. and you're the family environment and Great. you cut all the little kids hair growing up inside of the entire family and you do their hair for graduation and you're cool with that. Mm-hmm. Great. If it's really artistic, if it's creative nowadays, if it's, you know, fashion, hair color, mm-hmm. um, then be that mm-hmm. right. Really be it. So people know how to find you. And, um, you know, we, we could talk all day about culture, but it's maybe the most important thing to land on. If you want to grow a team, am I right about that? Yeah. And this is where leadership becomes important, you know, because we talked about that earlier, because here's what happens. Sometimes that leadership starts to get wonky. I'll give you an example. Remember, I'll use the analogy about going on vacation, right? Now, I want to go to Disney World and everybody, we're going to get in the car and we're going to go to Disney World. And if we're living in Georgia, which is where I live, we know what we have to do. We're going to get on the highway. This is how we're going to go. It's going to take us about eight hours to get there. We're going to be in Orlando going to Disney. Well, some of your co-travelers may want to go to Universal, or maybe they want to go to Tampa, or maybe they want to go to Miami, right? So vision was important because we chose a direction. Leadership is important because you have to make sure that we're moving in the direction we wanted to. And to maintain that culture of, no, we're going to Disney World because that's our vision. We're going to Disney World because we're those kind of people. We like that kind of fun, right? To your analogy, we're a family type salon. And so that's what we want to do. If we were more fashion oriented, maybe we'd go to Miami. The culture piece only survives under the strength of leadership, because when you don't have that leadership to maintain and support a culture, you end up having five different cultures in one location and talk about confusing. Are we fashion oriented? Are we influencers? Do we do, you know, vivid? Are we a family salon? You know, what is it? Because I'm confused. That's the strength of leadership. That's the strength of culture. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in, and I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. 
You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets its, gets its wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting its wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world, helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.